What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Enlighten Me podcast, and I'm your host, Mackenzie. For today's episode, I am interviewing Todd Dahlberg, who is the Director of Brand and Marketing for Endangered Species Chocolate. You're probably familiar with Endangered Species Chocolate if you ever take a stroll down the candy aisle in the grocery store. They are the ones with the adorable animals on their packaging. I have been a fan of their products for a long time. I first started buying their products because they were fair trade, which Todd and I talk about in this episode. But we also talk about the other side of their brand, which is supporting the endangered species of our world. This is something that I really didn't know a lot about, and Todd does a great job of explaining what that looks like and why we need to care. I love that there's a product that I can buy that's not very expensive that goes to support fair trade farming and endangered species. In the first part of today's conversation, Todd is educating us on what endangered species look like and how the give back partners that they work with are supporting those species as well as our habitats that need protecting. The rest of our conversation focuses on fair trade, which is something you've probably heard me talk a lot about, but that really needs some more attention. When it comes to the food industry, we are seeing more and more options for buying fair trade products, and you're going to hear why that is so important. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Todd because he has a lot of wisdom to share with us. So sit back and relax and don't worry about taking notes because I've done all that for you in the show notes. Everything we referenced is listed there. So enjoy this conversation and get ready to be enlightened. All right. Hey, Todd, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, Can you start by introducing yourself for the listeners? Sure. My name is uh, Todd Dahlberg. I'm the director of marketing and brand for Endangered Species Chocolate. Awesome. And so you you guys, we were just talking, are right next door to me over in Indiana. Um, you're a fellow Midwesterner, so that's great. Uh, and I, I'm wondering, are your products all throughout the country at this point, or are they kind of more local to where you guys are at? I know I see them in the stores over here. Right. So yeah, we are uh, in all 50 states and okay. in Canada. Uh, and uh, we have great distribution over 25,000 different retail locations uh, across uh, the U.S. and Canada. Okay. Okay. So then probably most people have seen your products before and maybe heard of your company. So can you just tell us about your missions and values and the heart behind endangered species chocolate? Yeah. So, um, you know, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary, so we're not a startup company by any means. Uh, mm-hmm. Back in the early 90s, our, our company actually was founded and started in uh, Talent, Oregon, in the Northwest, uh, okay. by, by the name of John Stocking. And John had this passion for uh, conservation and uh, was also a chocolatier and really wanted to kind of meld those two together. So he started Endangered Species Chocolate. Okay. Fast forward, his business was growing. Uh, in about 2005, two uh, Indianapolis businessmen actually approached John about purchasing the company. John had grown the company well, but really felt like this was a time for maybe him to transition out. And, and so he sold his business to the two Indianapolis businessmen, who then moved the company here to Indianapolis. And we've been here since 2005 and continue to, to grow um, in our distribution and manufacturing our chocolate. You know, it's, it's interesting because we, we've wanted to stay true to John's mission. And, uh, you know, we give a, a, a 10% uh, give back uh, off of our net profits to uh, conservation and wildlife nonprofit organizations. And we spend a lot of time assuring that we kind of live out those values on a day-to-day basis. We really believe that 
our values should be uh, centered in around you know our respect for habitat species and humanity and so all the things we do we kind of look through that business lens to make sure that we're living out that that value every day in the things that we do yeah that's wonderful and I think it's really cool. Something I've learned just in doing a little bit of research is how much you guys focus on the endangered species aspect of it and the organizations that you partner with. I honestly, what I, when I first came across your products, I was buying them because they were fair trade and because they had pictures of cute animals. And I was like, that seems like something I want to support. But I didn't really realize how big of a part of your company that was. So can you maybe just talk about uh, the organizations that you partner with briefly and how you connected with them? Yeah, so um, we're currently partnering with uh, two organizations. We call them our give back partners. The first is Rainforest uh, Trust. They are a international organization that is, is working to buy up and save rainforest acreage across the globe. Uh, they have over 200 projects worldwide uh, and they're active on just about every continent except for Antarctica, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, since 1998, sorry, since 1988, they've actually been able to save over 18 million acres. And they have a goal over the next few years to, to drive that to over 50 million acres. And so, as you can imagine, saving habitats is really important uh, in, in kind of protecting uh, endangered species. And so they fit really nice into our mission from that perspective. Our other partner uh, that we're currently working with is uh, Wildlife Conservation Network. And they're set up a little bit differently because their goal really is to kind of manage funds and do, to address various different crises to endangered species through a multitude of ways. Uh, they really look at uh, the problem, not saying one organization can solve the problem. Uh, so for example, uh, they started something called the Elephant Crisis Fund, and they partnered with Save the Elephants organization, as well as others to kind of say, what can we do to stem the poaching that is going on from on the grounds, boots, you know, providing resources for uh, rangers to be out looking for poachers uh, in in various different places in Africa, but also how do we address it from, you know, China changing law about uh, receiving uh, ivory into their country. So they work on a variety of different levels to address problems and, and do that in a way that is very meaningful. Uh, both of these organizations have been partners with us over the last two years, and we're entering our third year with them. And the impacts they make are, are very tangible for us to kind of look at and, and share back with the folks that are purchasing our products. Yeah. Well, that's great. And I'm sure people are already thinking that they're a big fan of what you do because it sounds awesome. And we are going to talk more about the fair trade aspect of chocolate because I think that's something that people should know about, you know, for whatever brand they're buying from. But first, I would love it if you could just tell us more about endangered species and why this is a problem that needs our attention. Um, So can you maybe just start by in simple terms, defining, you know, what an endangered species is, and most people probably know generally, but maybe just give us a more specific look into what that problem actually looks like. Yeah, you know, I recently heard a fact that was just kind of staggering. Since the late 1960s, right, we've lost over half of the world's species. I mean, think about that. In just over 50 years, we have eliminated 
a number of species that were on this planet for hundreds, if not millions of years. And so for for me, that puts that position in, in, into context to say, if we don't do something, where are we going to be in the next 50 years? So as an organization, obviously, we're doing what we can to make a difference. And you know, I look at this as very much as a wildlife crisis. And, and the only way that we can affect that really is by helping educate people on what they can do to get involved in the issue, uh, to educate themselves, and then really encourage them to also participate in the process. Some people are more comfortable in making a financial donation. Others will engage uh, on social media to draw awareness. And and others, even more so, will volunteer and get out and help uh, in various Mm -hmm. different ways. But I do think it's all of our responsibility to participate in this effort and and help engage in this issue. And so when you talk about the species declining, I guess first I'll ask, is this specific to a few certain species or is it all kinds? Is this everywhere across the world or is it in a few certain countries? Yeah, you know, you know, I think people tend to think of Africa as a place or Antarctica as a place because they can tie back to specific species themselves. Yeah. But our efforts are happening on a global basis. You know, here in the United States, for example, um, I think of like the bald eagle, which was an endangered species on the endangered species list. And through efforts, right, we've been able yeah. to not only make that a, a species that's become stable, but uh, a species that is actually now thriving. And in fact, uh, there's a bald eagle now in every state in, in, in the U.S., which oh, if you would have gone back, you know, decades ago, you, you wouldn't have found that. So I think that's the type of thing that if you engage uh, and are thoughtful in the process, you know, these species have the ability to uh, adapt and, and come back uh, to becoming and thriving in some cases. But it, it really does take an effort. Um, yeah. Every species really is sitting at various different levels, levels from being critical all the way up to being stable at the moment. But there's so much that really impacts what goes on with those species. You know, it can be everything from, you know, climate change or natural events to uh, water pollution and air pollution to loss of habitat uh, to poaching or human invasion uh, to diseases. And so we really work to understand, and that's why it's so important, you know, at the end of the day, we craft premium, fair trade, sustainable chocolate, right? And, and so for us, uh, we, we want to find those partners that are experts in this space to help us uh, engage where we think is going to make the most impact. And, and to date, I got to tell you, the partners we've worked with really have made a difference, you know, and, and we can see that happening. So it makes us feel like we are a part of the solution. Yeah. Well, and hearing the reasons why species are declining, I, I'm making an assumption and I want you to tell me if it's correct or not. Is it true that most of these reasons are attributed to because of humans? Uh, or is that just the kind of the way our world is going naturally? Or is it maybe our faults a little bit? Yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely think there's a, a significant impact that we do play, right? Again, yeah. you know, I am not necessarily an expert in this space, but I, I rely on the people that we engage with. And, and from what we hear, uh, if you look at the factors that I just listened, 
uh, human involvement is is in, in probably at least three or four of those, right? And so yeah. I do think we have to take it as our responsibility to do something about it. And right. I think the great news is there are steps that we all can take to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's little things like just thinking about what you're eating on a daily basis and 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 how that uh, food is being grown in and is it being is it being done in a way that is sustainable for the earth and, and for our, ourselves? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great point because some people might hear those things and think, well, I don't hunt or I don't do big game hunting or anything like that. I don't support that. So I'm not contributing to the problem. But, you know, I can't help but think of things like palm oil that's harvested in the rainforest and because of how much is harvested and the way it's harvested, it's killing the orangutan population, I believe, which is a species that's threatened to be extinct here soon, as far as I know. I don't know if I, I don't have all my facts straight on that, but um, but that's one thing I think of with what you were saying, of even just being aware of what kind of food you're buying and what companies you're buying from and how your food is being made, because that is affecting animals that seem really far removed, but it's a pretty uh, imminent problem, right? It is. And like I said, like every species is at various different stages of where they're at. But I, I do think that people that are becoming more thoughtful and reading the ingredients, uh, reading about and understanding where their food's coming from is a big part of that. And we as an organization take uh, great care in making sure that the products that we're working with are sustainable, first of all. Fair trade's a big part of that as well. And so for us, it's just making sure living on our mission uh, every day to kind of make sure that we are uh, living by those things that we are also asking others to do. Yeah. Well, I have a couple of questions. I like to think about what people might be thinking while they're listening. So first, is this an immediate problem? Like some people might feel like, oh, that's really sad, but it's not going to affect me probably in my lifetime. Is it immediate? And what are the effects that we might see? Yeah, so I think uh, a couple of things. One, it's a historical uh, event as well as an immediate event. So as I mentioned, over the last uh, you know five decades, uh, this problem has continued to grow and, and at alarming rates. And so uh, from, from that standpoint, there's a lot of historical data that says we need to do something. And so from an immediate perspective, yes, there, there is an immediate need. And I think one of the things I'll say is that that I think everybody, again, can play that part by just educating themselves and understanding how and what they can do to help these species out. And I used the example of the bald eagle earlier, but uh, penguins as well are in a position now because of actions taken by different groups that they're starting to become a, a more stable species. So I think what we found is when there's engagement, when there's when there's knowledge, when there's science that help us understand what we can do to solve for some of these problems, we can then uh, begin to start to rectify and hopefully solve for some of these problems. And, you know, our hope is that we're engaging sooner versus later, because later can lead to a an impact that uh, none of us want to see. Yeah, absolutely. And my second question is just that I, I'm thinking of friends I have that don't really feel as compelled when they hear about animals suffering and whatnot. And there are some people who just would say, yeah, I'm not an animal person. I don't, I don't really care about this. 
But why should those people who don't necessarily care about the animals, why is this still a problem for them? And what, what are the impacts? Yeah, because, you know, we, we have one planet, right? We, ha- we have one Earth in which we live on, and uh, everything does have an impact to the other, right? So as species become extinct, uh, it has impact on the environment or on habitats that dramatically change. So the same way that um, man can take down a rainforest and that have a negative impact, impact on species, uh, the, the, the same can be said for a species being extinct. It has an impact on our habitat. And so I think we need to be aware of that because at the alarming rate in which species are becoming extinct, we don't fully know necessarily all the things that could happen to our habitat without having those in in our world. That makes sense. Thanks for saying that. So this isn't without hope, though, right? You're partnering with awesome organizations that you mentioned earlier that are making an impact and helping to save certain species. Like you said, every species is kind of on a, in a different place, so I know you can't answer everything that these organizations are doing, but can you just tell us broadly how they're helping to save some of the endangered species or even just an example of one species, like what one of the organizations is doing? Yeah, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the elephants um, with the Elephant Crisis Fund through uh, Wildlife Conservation Network. You know, it's funny, that's been a, a major topic of news recently. And, and so, you know, those types of things tend to rise to people's top of mind because they're hearing about it. So, but they've done a significant job. So, for example, the African elephant, since uh, 2007 through 2015, we've lost over 100,000 different uh, West African elephants. And so, you know, you you say, well, gosh, that's a long period of time in which that happened, but it has a compounding effect. Mm -hmm. And so that that is definitely part of uh, what we need to solve for because those herds of elephants are becoming smaller and smaller, and and we need to address that. I also think of uh, the work that um, WCN does with the Mars Alliance, which has discovered actually some new species in, in, in the oceans. And so uh, they've been able to uncover and find a new species of shark, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. And then we also worked with the Global Penguin Society in tracking uh, and learning the movement pattern, migration patterns of, of penguins and finding ways, different ways to positively in, impact them from that perspective. So each one of these projects that we've supported over the years, either through financial or just bringing awareness, has, has a positive impact. And so it, it is truly about making uh, that every inch is a mile approach of, of, of making a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, that's encouraging to hear because people, I'm sure, want to know if they choose to buy chocolate from endangered species chocolate or whatever it is, just what their money is going towards. So it's great to know that they're supporting not only a great company, but also some really great organizations that are doing wonderful work. And also even good to know in case people are listening and feel compelled to even just donate to these causes themselves or whatever it is. Like you said, there's multiple action steps that we can take, you know, and I think your company also has some resources for uh, how they're advocating in policy, right? So that could be another option for people to read up on if they want to know, you know, how, how can I use my voice to take a stand on some of these things? Absolutely. You know, 
it's one of those things where uh, we, our CEO, Kurt Vandermeer, uh, was actually in Washington, D.C. about a month and a half ago, two months ago. Uh, he was there at an invitation from uh, Defenders of Wildlife in which uh, they invited him to come out and speak to our Indiana representatives on uh, the Endangered Species Act. Uh, he spent the day uh, meeting with uh, senators and congressmen and their staffs to kind of encourage them from a business perspective, right, of why it's important to us in our state mm-hmm. uh, and the impact it has. And I think one of the cool things about it was is that he was the only business owner or businessman there representing it. Everybody else was considered an activist. So he brought a very different perspective to the discussion and obviously had a chance to talk about the impact that we're making in our economy here locally in Indianapolis, uh, but also the impact we're making through the donations we make and driving awareness through those uh, give back partners that we have. That's, that's awesome. I love that. That brings another question to mind for me, though. Something you said reminded me of this. Another thing that people might be thinking is, okay, well, there are people working on this problem. I, they don't need my help. This is It's all taken care of or whatever it is. Like when you hear, oh, now bald eagles are a stable species and penguins are becoming a more stable species. People might be starting to think, okay, this problem's coming to an end. But I read in some of your resources that there's some things going on with the Endangered Species Act. Can you maybe just tell us about that and kind of why this problem isn't necessarily ending right now? Yeah, you know, um, the current administration has uh, taken some action to try to change a, a, a variety of different laws that have impact from potentially loosening the ban on ivory as one example uh, that recently came across, you know, and all of those things have, have an impact. So we have to be diligent about it. And so for Mm -hmm. us, what we want to be able to do is encourage our representatives and I encourage your listeners to do the same thing to make sure that the Endangered Species Act is fully funded. Um, We know that we're in a time in government where dollars are sought after by many different interests and needs in in our world. And so we just want to make sure and that's what we were out there uh, encouraging our representation is to make sure that it stays fully funded and to be diligent not to change the current policy without truly understanding the, mm-hmm. the impact of that. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about that is, is that what we know is that um, the current policy on Endangered Species Act is 99% effective, mm-hmm. and it is a bipartisan initiative. So this isn't uh, necessarily a, a political issue. Uh, it needs to be addressed and, and, and keep that bipartisan approach in place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the way I was kind of understanding it, I guess to give a weird analogy is kind of like, you know, when you get a prescription, your doctor will say, even if you see your symptoms getting better, don't stop taking it. You need to take it all the way through, right? And so it sounds like our current administration is kind of trying to end it because they see the symptoms getting better. But you're saying, but we still need it in place. Like we need to say, see this all the way through for the problem to really be relieved. Yeah. I think that's a really great analogy. And and I think one of the things that becomes so important is that we stay diligent, right? Because what we do know is that there is a positive impact that's happening, but there's so much more to do in in this this cause. And and so uh, by keeping ourselves abreast of the latest trends, 
relying on our our partners to help us understand where those issues lie. It allows us to to kind of inform not only our consumers but also inform others about how we can keep that positive change. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's great. And, and I think that the other thing to kind of put a more business analogy to it is, you know, in business, when things are working, uh-huh. right, you don't go and change your business, right? right? You, you kind of continue to kind of go down that path to say, okay, what else can I do to accelerate the success that I'm having? Right. The same thing goes with the Endangered Act. We know there's a positive impact. We know that it, it's got broad support. So there's not a need to make that change. Yeah. And we want to make sure people... Uh, are encouraging their representation to do that. Yeah, and in, in, on our on our social media feeds as well as uh, on on our website at chocolatebar.com, we have ways for people to learn more about how they can contact their representation and uh, support this effort. Yeah, and that's it's just such an easy way to help contribute to the solution. So I'll post links to that in the show notes so that people can access it and stay up to date with what's going on. And I think you did a great job explaining, you know, again, there for me, this is really easy to care about because I'm an animal lover. But I think what you said about, you know, this is our only planet, we have to take care of it. And that includes taking care of wildlife, you know, whether or not you're an animal lover, I think this is a problem that requires our attention and and one that doesn't you know mean we need to be depressed and sad about all the problems in the world but one that we can take action on in really simple ways by clicking some buttons on our computer to say something to our representatives or checking labels to make sure our food was made ethically so that's great i i will make sure to post some resources that people can look at i also wanted to talk about the habitat side of things, because that's something I know I wasn't necessarily thinking of environment and habitat when I was thinking of endangered species. And you mentioned this already, but can you just talk a little bit more about what's going on and especially in the rainforest and how our rainforest and our ecosystem in general is being affected by the way food is harvested or the way animals are treated or whatever it is. Just kind of tell us what's going on there. Yeah, there's such a... uh... It's such a positive impact that our rainforest has. I was, again, recently reading that 20% of the world's oxygen comes from uh, the rainforest in uh, South America. Oh, wow. And so think about that for a minute. That's a significant number coming from a fairly small footprint when you look at it from a global perspective. Yeah. And so our goal really is to work with organizations that are trying to save those habitats uh, obviously, we look at it from the wildlife perspective, but it has a much broader and bigger impact than that. So we're trying to look at creative ways in which those dollars can help purchase and protect those lands and, and, and even change laws that will long-term protect those. Because as I mentioned, habitat affects wildlife, which affects humans. Yeah. And so I think we've got to think through that kind of perspective to find that right balance of providing the right protections to these types of acreage. We are all interlinked in some way. And, and so we need to be able to, to do that. And, and this is where it becomes truly a global initiative. And somebody like Rainforest Trust does such an amazing job of trying to attack this. You know, when I look at the different projects that they have and where they're at, uh, they're, they're saving forests here in, in in the United States. They have initiatives 
in Mexico and throughout South America. They have initiatives in Africa. Uh, they have initi initiatives in Asia. So they are trying to attack this on the most broadest way possible and then try to get those lands protected to be national parks and reserves. And, and under those protections will allow those not only to not be harmed in the future, but also be protected for, for the future as well. Yeah. And so with those things, and even just the statistic you shared about oxygen, it sounds like if we don't take steps to protect those ecosystems, not only will animals feel the effects, but we'll feel the effects, right? Absolutely. Because it, it is not only our oxygen, it is also environmental, it is also affects food supplies. It has a broad effect on everything that we participate in. Yeah. So uh, is the solution to protecting the habitats, is that also a lot in policy? Uh, does that look similar to what it's like to protect endangered species or is it different? Yeah, it, it is a mix, right? So it is about policies. It's, it's about also pressuring corporations to be more responsible. Yeah. You know, I, again, I think it's 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 amazing what the consumer, as a marketer, right? I see the consumer as always having the power, right? As consumers become more aware about their products and how they're being produced, and um, how companies are treating their employees and and the sources of where they get their different ingredients, uh, they have such power. You know, power truly is in the purchasing habit and just being aware. And so, for for me, it is educating yourself, porting uh, legislation here in the United States that ports the protection of our environment, and then uh, looking for other places and organizations around the world that are doing the same thing. Yeah. And I guess just to give people some practical tips, what do you look for when you're buying food in the products that you're purchasing? Are you checking some kind of certification for the food or is it all in the ingredients? What do you look for? Yeah, so um, we, we have a number of different certifications that, that we look for. First uh, is really about fair trade. Uh, so we're a fair trade certified product, uh, which means for us, it starts with the people, right? It starts with how our products are being farmed and making sure that we pay a fair price for those products. But it's also doing the right thing. So it's how do we help educate them on sustainable farming how do we help them figure out the most effective and efficient ways to manage their uh, land in which they're growing our ingredients on? But it's also about empowering the, those people in the co-ops that we use. And we get our product from West Africa and the Ivory Coast. And so it's empowering them to kind of say, the monies and the premiums that we're giving you for the products, how is that going to better your community? Mm -hmm. And and that starts with everything from projects like schools to healthcare to transportation to, to water and land improvements. And so um, the fact that the organization we work with helps support those efforts and lets the people in their communities make those decisions is such a powerful thing. And uh, recently, uh, in the last two years, uh, we, we've actually had people that work here at Endangered Species Chocolate over in West Africa, seeing what's going on in the co-ops that we're working on. Our CEO was just there last uh, December and uh, got to see firsthand the things that are going on and the positive impacts that those folks are making. So for us, it starts with, with fair trade. 
but it also is about the ingredients that we put into our products. So we're certified uh, as, as gluten-free, as a number of people are, are interested in that in their diet. We're kosher. Uh, we have uh, a kosher facility. We also have uh, vegan products to be assured that our products are, are vegan-based. And so for us, it's really thinking about what the end consumer is interested in and how we can facilitate that in the most sustainable way. Yeah, that's great because I think, you know, obviously buying fair trade is a wonderful thing and we're going to talk more about that in a second but there's a lot of products that it's really hard to find fair trade still um and so it's great for people to know what they what they should be looking for um and uh, i always like to think you know a lot of times if a company is not talking about how they made this product there's probably a reason for that. It's that's usually my rule of thumb right. if if I can't find any other information. So so yeah, that's really good, and that's a perfect segue into what we want to talk about next, which is the fair trade chocolate. This is something that a lot of people have been learning more about. Fair trade is becoming more common, more in people's vernaculars. Can you talk about? You, I know you just defined what fair trade looks like for you guys. Can you talk about specifically with cocoa what that means and what it means for your products to be fully traceable? For us, fair trade is our commitment to the people, uh, the farmers themselves, right? And uh, we work with Fair Trade USA to really make sure that our sourcing practices benefit and empower our suppliers, but also the land in which they they're they're farming on, done in a sustainable way. And for us, fair trade itself also really does mean that. The products themselves, uh, we're able to trace that back to the co-ops that we work with uh, so that those beans are certified by fair trade as coming from co-op by the practices in which they've outlined. So it is a very strict process. Uh, We take it very seriously and we're excited to kind of be leading the way in this space in our industry to kind of assure that this becomes the norm and not just uh, something that one or two companies are doing. Yeah, that's really amazing. And it's cool because you can obviously feel good about, you know, the community that you're supporting when you purchase fair trade cocoa like yours. But I'm also wondering, how does this affect the quality of the food that we're consuming? Because I'm imagining that it's much higher quality than something that's not traceable. Yeah, you know, the the quality piece is, again, understanding where the ingredients that we're using in our products is coming from and how it's being done uh, from the processes. So it's also making sure that there's not lots of chemicals uh, and pesticides used in the ingredients that we have. And it really is really to assure that every bite that, that, that you're having is coming from a fair trade certified farmer in West Africa. And it starts and ends with that, right? The quality is, is outlined by Fair Trade USA. Those farmers work very hard to achieve those, those criteria. And so for us, it makes it really simple because we know where our products are sourced and how they're being grown. Uh, we have uh, the highest assurance that we're delivering a quality product. And and that's a beautiful picture to paint too, I think, because I, I think of, you know, when you, if you go to the farmer's market or some kind of local store where the person who made that product or that food is right there, they're the ones selling it to you. How are you going to treat that person? And I think we have to kind of have that same picture in our heads, even when we're just buying from a grocery store. I think that really helps to bring it into context for people of why fair trade matters because there's 
someone behind how this product was made. And I mean, we have to think about how they were treated and how their community is being treated and how their children are being treated and, and all of those things to kind of bring it into context and even remind us why things like fair trade certification matter. Yeah. So, you know, we, we pay a premium, right, uh, on that product. And part of that is to assure that it's a fair price for the product itself. But, you know, where those premiums are, are used really truly is amazing. So the communities themselves, the co-ops themselves make the determination of where these those dollars get put to. Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, they go to schools, they go to healthcare systems and centers. Uh, they also go to like repairing and installing water wells. I mean, and something that we take for granted here in the United States is uh, is, is an issue in, in, in Africa. And so our ability to kind of help do that and provide the resources to do that is is an exciting thing. But, you know, it goes beyond that because it also helps them reinvest in their farms and how they plant and to assure that we're going to continue to have that sustainability uh, that we talked about earlier, you know. If you over farm a land, uh, at some point, it's not going to be able to sustain the output that it gives. And so we work very hard to make sure that the farmers understand what that looks like, again, through fair trade to make that happen. Yeah, I think that's it's so cool because I, like you, I think you mentioned Ivory Coast as I think, isn't it Ivory Coast in Ghana where most of most of the world's cocoa beans are harvested from? It, it, it is a large uh, outlet for, for cocoa, right? And that's where our beans are yeah. from the Ivory Coast. Right. Africa, because of where it's positioned near the equator, provides different, and the soil being used, provides different flavors and flavor notes to, to the flavors of the, the beans that are grown there. Uh, South America also yeah. has a, a high cocoa output as well. Uh, but we found that uh, the West African cocoa beans are superior for the product that we're trying to produce. Right. Well, and those two areas in particular, especially West Africa, um, as people probably know, are stricken with poverty. And so I think what you do and what the fair trade certification entails, what the fair trade premiums entail, is really important to note because it's not just, oh, wow, this person gets to have a nice life, but it's really helping to end even cycles of poverty. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when we talk about global poverty, right, it's all about different perspectives, right? So poverty here in the United States versus poverty in West Africa looks very different. Yeah, um, right. But, but yes, that those premiums are about trying to do the right thing. I mentioned that that's part of our core mission. Is we want to do the right thing by these farmers. It truly is about our commitment to those people and to assure that they do have a better life. And, we, and we've seen that, right? We, that's why we want to go to Africa to see firsthand the things that are going on and the experiences that we're having with products and people that are producing them. Yeah, well, I love that. And I'll make sure to post the link to that kind of describes um, what the fair trade premiums do so people could read more about that if they want to. Yeah, and actually, you know, just, a, just a quick note, Kenzie, is that actually, uh, again, on our website, we actually have a link to uh, an impact report, okay. right? That not only talks about the, the fair trade piece, but where dollars are being utilized by our nonprofits as well that we partner with. Yeah. So um, it's a great resource for people who truly want to learn a little bit more depth of, of what and how our dollars are being spent. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll make sure to post the link to that. I wanted to ask you kind of the other side of 
this issue with harvesting cocoa without, you know, bashing any other companies. What does it mean if cocoa is not fair trade? Can you just kind of tell us, I guess, why, again, why fair trade matters? Because what happens if it's not fair trade? What does that look like for farmers? Yeah, you know, um, the market is really then set by the people who are purchasing the product, right? The farmer is at a little bit of a disadvantage uh, without having a co-op to kind of help negotiate pricing. And so they would ha- be forced to take whatever was offered to them. And, and so, and for many years, that's what the industry had done. And so it is not only about the standards of wh- how the product is grown, but it also is uh, assuring that that farmer is getting a fair price for that and that those dollars are being reutilized in their communities in the way that they see fit. Um, so it's not endangered species or fair trade determining the project we think the farmers need, and the farmers have a say in where those dollars are being utilized. And and as you know, buying into a process or buying into uh, your involvement uh, gets you deeper involved in commitment to delivering a quality product. And, and for many years, right, farmers uh, were utilizing, uh, they were, they were uh, paid based on weight of the bags of cocoa they were bringing to market. Well, they were putting other things in there like rocks, like hammers, like, oh. a, like a variety of things to weigh those things more to get a better price. Well, fair trade premium allows for that stuff to move away, right? They don't have to try to weigh their product down to get a better price because they're already getting a fair price for it. In addition, it also uh, it talks about who's actually farming the land, right? So child labor, I know, is something that we as a uh, country are concerned about. And so again, how it's being sourced and who's who's sourcing those products is a big part of what we, we look to as well. Yeah, that's I think that's really important for people to be aware of. And I, I think too, again, kind of back to that quality piece of the quality of the food you're consuming. I, I read an article that kind of talked about the cocoa industry and how, you know, there are many people, especially in some of those West African countries that are enslaved in a way um, to cocoa farming because, you know, it's not done in a fair trade way. And I just, it kind of talked about the quality of that, even, you know, if your food is being produced in a way that's really unsafe for humans to even do it, um, it, it can't be that good for us to eat. Obviously, we're talking about chocolate, so it's not like it's, you know, the most healthy thing for you anyways. But I kind of think, the cocoa bean itself isn't something that's that bad for us. Kind of like sugar cane. Like sugar cane actually has a lot of nutrients, but it's when we process it and, you know, do all these things to it that it becomes really bad for us, right? And so I feel like with fair trade also, it has to guarantee this quality of even being probably more nutritious for us in a way, more so than something that's really heavily processed and not made in a sustainable way is. Yeah, that, that is true. And and I'll tell you, you know, the, the nice thing about endangered species chocolate is that you talk about the, the, the quality or the amount of cocoa being used in our products, right? So our milk chocolate is at 48%. That's the lowest amount of cocoa that we use in our product. The majority of our products sit at, at 72% cocoa uh, or above. And so, you know, when you don't have to add all those other ingredients in, you can bring a more pure product to to the marketplace and 
And again, a pure, great tasting chocolate is what we try to, to bring to the table. But also to circle back to your comment, you know, it, yeah. one thing that fair trade does is they, they, they work to create safety programs uh, for their farmers. Uh, so, you know, it's still a very manual process in which you take a cocoa pod out of a tree. So a farmer has to climb a tree, has to use a machete to cut a pod out of a tree. Uh, and so helping them understand mm-hmm. safe ways to do that and to get the best yield uh, mm-hmm. and the best way to, again, make it sustainable for uh, the farmers themselves is a big part of what fair trade brings. I, I just love it. I'm a huge fan of what you guys do and even just of fair trade, I mean, it has to be encouraging for people to know that they have options out there to contribute to a better life for many people and for our planet. I also wanted to ask you, when we were talking about the premiums, I forgot to ask, uh, I think you mentioned, you were mentioning some of the things that the fair trade premiums go to support. Is part of that schools? Um, Because I know in that same article that I had read, it talked about part of the problem is that in a lot of the communities where cocoa is farmed, it's very rural. And so children don't even have the option to go to school sometimes. And so they end up working with their parents or with their families or whatever it is. And that's kind of part of the problem with the slavery piece of this uh, and you know, the cycle of poverty because children aren't getting educated. So do the fair trade premiums contribute to schooling of children in any way? They do. Uh, in fact, uh, dollars when we were in Ivory Coast uh, late last year, Kurt, our CEO, got to see and visit a school that uh, the premiums helped build. And so it's not only building those schools, but then providing the re- necessary resources uh, needed to provide that better life. Right. And so, yeah, it's 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 exciting to see how the dollars are being used again, are it positively impacting uh, the co-op farmers that and communities that are, that we're working with. And, and you know, again, for our CEO to be over there, you know, twice in the last two years, really to kind of see firsthand the differences we're making, really kind of invigorates us more to say, uh, what else can we do to kind of further our cause in this effort? Well, I have uh, one, one last big question for you about, about the fair trade piece. Do you think this is a feasible way for people to consume chocolate forever? I'm thinking of friends I know who bake a lot and buy a lot of chocolate chips or whatever it is, just have a chocolate addiction and purchase chocolate all the time. Is it feasible for people to to start buying solely fair trade chocolate because, you know, it kind of goes without saying fair trade chocolate is going to be a little bit more expensive. I don't think it's by that much personally, but that's because, you know, you're making sure that someone's getting a fair wage and being treated fairly. So it's going to be a little bit more expensive, even sometimes a little bit harder to find in the store. But is that is that the solution? Do you think is it for people to start only buying fair trade? I think the encouraging thing is the marketplace really has spoken um, and and one, more companies are self-aware and are driving towards being fair trade, specifically in the cocoa industry uh, themselves, in the chocolate industry. You'll see even uh, the large manufacturers of big brands are, are, are exploring or moving in that space. I'll also tell you, like, our brand uh, has moved from what would have been the natural food space in, in grocery stores into the main aisle of premium chocolate. And 
and I look around at the number of even of our competitors that are, are fair trade. Uh, and it's really encouraging to kind of see that difference that um, that is being made. Uh, and, and so, yes, I really do believe fair trade is the way that we can sustainably protect our planet, provide for <clears throat> the farmers to help provide a better life, and then truly provide the highest quality product that we could possibly have. Yeah. What would you say if someone was listening and thinking, yeah, I'm probably not going to do that because I buy, you know, tons of bags of chocolate chips all the time. I stock up or whatever, and I, I just can't afford to buy fair trade chocolate like that. What would you say to someone that that might be running through their head? Yeah, I think you you said it earlier. The the premium that you would pay for a product that's fair trade versus not uh, isn't that significant. Right. I think that's the first thing I would say. I would add, price price compare it. You'll be surprised. Yeah. at the price difference. It really isn't that significant. Um, secondly, you know, I think we all have a responsibility to leave this world in a better place. And as I mentioned earlier, it's all about those little actions that do make a big difference. We're able to have the positive effect on the farmers that we have and on the other nonprofits that we work with on the conservation side only because consumers buy our product. So when you're spending a little bit extra, on a brand like endangered species chocolate, it allows you to really impact those dollars and grow um, the give back and the premiums that we're able to give to our partners. Amen, I love it. And I, I can't help but think too, this is something when I first started learning about this, you know, I was thinking, oh, well, what am I supposed to do? Just like only buy fair trade chocolate? Like that, that seems expensive or whatever it is. And I kind of thought to myself, I could also just, you know, buy fair trade chocolate only and buy a little bit less. It's not like chocolate is a vital ingredient in my diet. So I could, if it's really a matter of cost, you know, I think it would be better to buy fair trade chocolate and buy less of it than to say, no, I'm not going to do that and then buy a different product that you don't know where it's coming from. So that's that's kind of my personal take. <laughs> Yeah, Mackenzie, I think we're obviously big believers of consume with a conscience, right? And yeah. that, that to me, is something each one of us can do. You know, before I worked at this company, I did that. I thought about it, right? Uh, there were some products that I, I wouldn't buy because of, of a variety of different reasons, some of that maybe not being fair trade. So for me, it is the first step in which all of us can take, and it's not a difficult step to take. It's just looking at the package, maybe spend that three to five seconds to assure that it's got that certification on it. And uh, then you can move on your way and, and enjoy the rest of your life and knowing that you also made a positive impact. Yeah, that's that's great. Thank you for that advice. And while we're on the subject, I'll ask you too something I've wondered about. And I, I didn't put this in your question. So here's one of my curveballs. But do you know anything about the I don't know how to pronounce it, the UTS certification or UTS, it's U-T-Z. Um, I've seen that in a few stores and it's different than fair trade, but it seems like it might be similar in ways. Do you know anything about that? You know, uh, unfortunately I don't. Um, we, okay, do okay. we, we do evaluate as a company a lot of different certifications. Uh, our director of innovation is out there always looking for the best way to deliver the highest quality products. So. I'm sorry, I don't know about it, but I'm sure it's something we either have looked at or maybe are looking at currently. Okay, well then I'll follow up with you because I'm I'm curious. It's do you guys have Aldi out there? 
We do. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, that that's the one that Aldi carries. I mean, they have some fair trade stuff too, but they have this Oots certification, and I've tried researching it, and there are some mixed reviews on it on if it's as fair as fair trade or not. So, I was just wondering if if you knew, but um, that's okay. Okay, so if you had to pick one message that you want people to walk away with for today, what what would you say that is? I think there's really three easy ways for people to engage and, and be aware of how they can help both uh, endangered species, but also the economy uh, in the world. Uh, and I think it's one, it's all about educating yourself. So I think the really cool thing about what we try to do is we take that very seriously. Inside of each of our labels, there is a story about the animal that is featured on the packaging as well as the nonprofits, organizations we work with. And of course, online we provide as a resource as well. Follow us on social media because we are, are keeping consumers aware of what's going on, the latest news. We're, we're all in. We're 100% into the environment and assuring that our consumers are aware of the things that are going on as well. And then you know, I think it is goes back to consume with that conscience. How do you take action in your community to kind of get more involved and, and make a difference? Because truly, everyone can make a difference. It just starts with making a decision to do that. What a great message. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I think it's so cool that I consider myself kind of a multi-passionate person. And I feel like your company is the same way. You know, it's great that you by purchasing one of your products, you're not just supporting one cause but several and you're you know it's focused on humans it's focused on the planet it's focused on animals so i'm sure there's people out there who at least care about one of those things so i i think it's great that you know all of what you guys do is really awesome so thanks for sharing and if you have time i want to ask you some fun questions sure absolutely okay how about do you have a role model in your life oh goodness what was i said no <laughs> no i'm just kidding Um, Yeah, you know what? I've been extremely lucky in my life to have a lot of different people that have positive influences on my life. Um, So for me, it starts with my parents. Both my mom and dad, I think, showed me how and what it meant to be a leader by being a servant, too. So for me, I just had that great foundation uh, for them uh, giving an example of kind of servant leadership. uh, And I try to apply that every day in my life. Uh, and then one of the, one of the first jobs I had actually while I was still in college was working for a gentleman by the name of Paul Ridgeway, who uh, did big events with his company, logistics, uh, making sure people got from point A to point B and kind of managing that. And I just remember us being outdoors at a big event and a storm was hitting and everybody was in panic mode and he was the guy that was calm. And he was calm because he was looking to try to solve the problem that was at hand. And and for me, I've always taken that with me. I'm the one who wants to be calm. I'm the one who wants to be looking for the solution versus getting caught up in all that's around me. And so I, I think both of those two, those three people really kind of have been strong influences on my life and what I try to apply to the day of my life. I, that's really cool. I Especially um, the second part of what you shared, I think that's really kind of transferable idea to a lot of things that I cover in this whole podcast because we're talking about a lot of concerning issues like we did today but you know and we can either 
be sad about it and do nothing, you know, kind of freak out about it and feel too depressed to learn anymore, or we can just think of a solution and stay calm. So I like that. All right. How about uh, an impactful book you've read? So the book I'm thinking of uh, is a book actually I've read a couple different times now. Uh, it's by an author named Simon Sinek. And he starts with a, the book is called Start With Why. And for me, it was, it was rig- originally a business book, but I think there's so many ap- different applications. Simon in his book really talks about there's different ways or, or there's different leadership lessons in life that we learn. And this book kind of describes how not only to be a better leader, but also to inspire others to achieve the things that you want them to. And so he has these five messages of really discover what your reason why is by setting personal goals, professional goals, family goals, and health goals, right? So understand why you're doing the things you want to do. And then have clarity, right? Have clarity of what you're doing that goes back to your reasons of why. Leaders need followers. And and to be a leader, somebody needs to choose you to be a follower, to follow you. And so be consistent and build that trust with those folks. And then he talks about uh, communication and how it is. And, And to me, this was the most beautiful line and definitely applies to the world today. Communication not is about talking, but it's about listening. So I try to apply and be a good listener to hear what people are saying because I think that's where good communication start. And the final piece of, that he, uh, of advice that he offers in that book is really serve those who serve others. So think about how you as a leader can serve others that are trying to do good and, and leave this world in a much better place. For me, that really is kind of where I, I've had a positive impact on my life to kind of think through how this book can touch me on not only a business level, but on a personal level as well. Hmm, I'm very intrigued. This sounds like a good read and something that's probably relevant for everybody in every kind of industry. So I'm going to have to look into that one. Have you listened to anything recently that you thought was really good, like a podcast or a documentary or anything like that? Yeah, I love TED Talks, right? I mean, those those great, you know, 15 to 20 minute talks that kind of get you grounded in a topic. Um, And and I, I recently heard a TED Talk by Tanya Menon. She's a professor at Ohio State University. And she talked about diversity and in our life, how we need to expand our networks and our internal filtering systems. And her talk really was looking at her graduate students and, and putting them in, in uncomfortable situations, right? She talks about how as, as creatures of habits, humans are, we tend to group with people who look like ourselves or have similar beliefs and backgrounds. And she's like, I try to put people in situations where um, they had to be with somebody of a different color or a a different religious background, or frankly, they have an annoying habit. Mm -hmm. And and she talked about getting people out of those comfort zones, allowed them to be more intentional. So she encouraged people to kind of intentionally get out of their, their norms of their life, their everyday path and do something different. And I think that's again, a great message that takes thought process, right? Because we get kind of pulled into the everyday things that we do mm-hmm. to be thoughtful about where and what we're doing and, and who we're engaging with and, and pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones is, is a wonderful uh, message. Yeah, uh, I, that all sounds 
appealing to me except for the Ohio State part. I didn't, I didn't like that, but me too. Everything else sounds good. <laughs> good, good message, nonetheless. Okay, okay. Well, I'll check it out. Um, how about? Do you have a brand or product that you are really liking lately besides endangered species chocolate? Yeah, um, there, there's two. Um, I'll start with the one though that, that I think in many ways mirrors what endangered species chocolate does. Uh, Tom's Shoes, which I'm sure you're familiar with, they have such an amazing mission. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Shoe you buy, they donate a shoe to a needy uh, person in the world. And what I love is that you know lots of people would buy a shoe just for the cause, just for the mission. But they don't just mm-hmm. rely on their laurels. There, they actually find those unique styles and they find trends that you know make you want to wear their shoes. And, and, and it goes back to that question of that you said, you know, would somebody buy fair trade? Just because it's fair trade, yes. Others may not be as in tune with that. This is the same thing. Yeah. By creating a, a trendy, comfortable shoe, they are able to support their mission. And they don't back away from that. Their mission is everywhere Yeah. Uh, and everything that they do. And so I really love it from that perspective. Uh, yeah, I agree. Did you know that there's a Tom's Cafe or there's like maybe three in the world or something like that? Did you know about that? I did not. I'll have to do a little bit of research on that. Yes. Um, yeah. If you ever find yourself in Austin, um, that I was just there and we stopped by the Tom's Cafe. So they have a shoe store and sunglass. They do sunglasses too. They um, help to give glasses to people in need that have impaired vision. And then they have coffee, which helps when you buy their coffee, it helps to provide clean drinking water, I think, for people. Nice. No, I'll have to do some research on that. That's that's very cool. Yes. I'm also a fan of Tom's. Did you have another product that you were going to say? I do. Um, and this one more is just from a personal perspective, but I love Vineyard Vines, right? I, you know, my um, I went to Boston a number of years ago uh, with my, my wife for the very first time who uh, grew up out east and went on this vacation. And it was like, it, you know, New England felt like home, right? As soon as I walked yeah. off the and to me, Vineyard Vines is all about that New England feel of being on the ocean and, and in, in the environment there uh, from, you know, Massachusetts up to Maine to, to Vermont. It just, it's got that vibe to it. And, and so I really love that brand and what they stand for and, and how they kind of design their products around the, those lifestyles. Yeah. Oh, those are both great recommendations. I, I don't think I know very much of Vineyard Vines products, so I'll have to check that out. Well, how about, do you, can you share anything with us that Endangered Species has going on? Any projects coming up or goals for the future? Yeah, well, uh, we've, we've launched a um, new flavor of three-ounce bar earlier this year, and it will have national, national distribution uh, by the end of uh, July, August timeframe. Uh, it's a 60% dark chocolate with salted peanuts. Uh, oh it really uh, an amazing taste. One of the cool things about the product is that we actually feature an elephant on it, and we're working very closely with Wildlife Conservation Network and the Elephant Crisis Fund to drive awareness of, of, of the plight of the elephant. And we're actually doing a really cool ecotourism trip as part of a sweepstake. So Oh, cool. Go to our website in the month of August and you'll learn a little bit more about it. But we're going to give a chance for consumers to go to Kenya, Africa for a week to 10 days and actually spend some time at an elephant watch camp. 
and uh, you'll get to see the difference that uh, those folks are making at Save the Elephant and at the Wildlife Conservation Network. And then there's lots of other great prizes, including free chocolate and and some other eco-friendly prizes as well. So we got that going on in August. Oh, wow. Make sure you look for that, uh, that bar. Yeah. And then um, some other exciting changes is coming early next year with an update of our brand. Uh, we'll have some new packaging out in the marketplace, and we think that packaging will help broaden our appeal to a larger audience as well as be appealing to the existing audience who's been purchasing us for the last 25 years. Oh, okay. So will that be on all the products? They're all going to look different? They are, yes. Oh, okay. uh, starting in January, you'll start to see that product on shelves and you'll, it'll continue to accelerate throughout the first quarter of the year. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm excited. And um, for the sweepstakes, how do you enter that? Is that going to be like a Willy Wonka kind of thing where you get a golden ticket in the bar? Or? It is not. We're uh, we're going a little bit more of an eco-friendly route. Um, and, oh, okay. That uh, makes can, sense. And you can go on to chocolatebar.com. There'll be a, a landing page there for the contest and you'll be able to fill out the information and get entered into that sweepstakes. Okay. Well, you can believe I will be entering that because that sounds amazing. Um, thanks for sharing. Those are exciting things you guys have going on. How can people learn more if they want to learn more about you or about just endangered species chocolate? You know, share. You can share your social media accounts and whatnot in case people want to try to connect with you. What's the best way to do that? Yep. There's three easy ways. So the first would be the inside of our, our labels and our bars have a, a lot of information on the animals that are featured on the bar, as well as the nonprofit organizations we work for, and, and also point you to our, our social media sites. Uh, we have a pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and soon Pinterest. So uh, you can go to either uh, online or inside the, our wrappers to learn more about that. Uh, you can go to chocolatebar.com. Uh, which is probably the best name for a website ever. <laughs> uh, learn more about, again, animals and, and our products and, and exciting new things that are happening. And then look for us in the news. We're, we're, we got a lot of exciting new changes coming out. And so uh, we'll definitely be sh- sharing those along the way. And like I said, it's an exciting time to be in an organization that's doing such an exciting thing. We set a, a big goal here for ourselves of being able to give back a million dollars annually to our give back partners. Wow. And we're well on the way we're well on the way to that goal, but really are working to accelerate that so that we can make that positive impact in the world uh, on a financial basis but also living those values that we have as a company out every day. Well, that is amazing. I love everything that you guys do and everything that you stand for. Um, and I just appreciate you taking the time and I hope that everybody, the next time they're in the store and find themselves in the chocolate aisle, takes a look. And um, maybe I won't post any links to your guys' socials, and I'll just make people go buy a candy bar if they want to find you. But I I think you guys are amazing, and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to educate us and share with us, you know, just about endangered species in general and fair trade in general. Because, again, even if it's, you know, whatever kind of food people are looking for, whatever kind of product they're looking for. I think you really emphasized why fair trade is important and, you know, just the easy ways that we can contribute to the solution of many different problems. So thanks for sharing that and for taking the time to talk to us. Absolutely, Mackenzie. Hey, good luck on your move. And you. uh, you'll know 
we will be listening uh, to your cat, your podcast, and following you as you continue your life's journey. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that so much. Are you ready to go get you some fair trade endangered species chocolate? I'm not gonna lie, I already have two candy bars sitting in my pantry right now, and I'm probably gonna go eat one after I'm done recording this. I don't know about you, but I learned a lot in our conversation talking about animals and the habitats they live in. I was unaware of how important some of these ecosystems are to our own health. Our conversation about endangered species reminded me of my conversation with Kelly from Cheese for Bees, where we talked about the importance of bees to our whole system. She said many times that nothing in nature operates in a vacuum, and that's true here as well. We need these animals as a part of our planet to help it go around. And similarly, we need our rainforests to be protected. I was shocked when Todd said that 20% of our oxygen comes from rainforests alone. The other statistic he shared about endangered species was equally as shocking, that over the past 50 years, we have lost over half of the world's species. That's so incredibly sad when we think about it. And like I said in the episode, even if you're not someone that's like me when you see the package with the cute animal on it, you want to buy it, I hope you understood what Todd was saying about how these animals really do play an important role in how our ecosystem and how our planet works. While Todd and I were talking, I brought up the issue of palm oil. And this is something that I really want to do a whole episode on sometime. But if you haven't heard of the dangers and the negative effects of palm oil deforestation, I really, really encourage you to look into that because it's something that we use in our everyday lives, in our gasoline and in our cooking and our baking. And you may not even realize how you are using it, but it's something that's contributing to mass devastation of our rainforests. And that's really having a negative impact on our world. So I also posted a few links along with all the others in the show notes where you can learn more about palm oil and how to be a more conscious consumer with that. There's also a really great app that I use called the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo app where you can scan products in the grocery store to see if they use palm oil in an ethically sourced way or not. That one is really helpful if you just need a quick reference while you're shopping. The second half of Todd and I's conversation about fair trade and what that really looks like was also really enlightening for me. I was under the impression that fair trade just meant that the farmers were getting paid fair wages, but it is clearly so much more than that. The fact that the fair trade premiums go to support better communities and schools and just overall better lives for these farmers is amazing. If you don't know much about this topic, I really recommend reading the article that I referenced in the conversation that talks about the child labor that goes along in the cocoa industry. I posted a link to that as well. It's an article by Fortune and it's long, but it's a good read. It has a lot of information and really puts into context why buying fair trade matters. In my last episode, we talked with Emily, who's the president of Mocha Club, that's inspiring change in Africa. And I think the cocoa industry also plays a large part in that. So if you can read up on that, I would highly encourage you to do so because you're going to be blown away by what you read. I was really excited to get Todd's opinion on what it looks like to switch completely to buying fair trade. 
is that really a sustainable option? And I know for some of you, you're seeing dollar signs run through your head and thinking that that's probably not possible. But like I said, I think the same rule applies here for what I say about clothing, that less is really more and that buying ethically sourced products is really the key and buying less of them is probably better. Like I said, chocolate is not a vital ingredient in any of our diets. So if it's really a cost issue, then just cut down on the amount that you're buying and try to buy only fair trade. When you think about people's lives at stake for the cause of this, even children that are farming and being held in illegal labor, it's really going to give you some perspective on the difference between that $2 chocolate bar and that $4 chocolate bar. I don't say any of this to make anybody feel bad, but because I know that these people need our help. They need us to stand for what we believe in and help to make a change. And you have the power to do that with the way that you consume consciously. So the next time you are strolling down the candy bar aisle or looking for a sweet treat, please check out Endangered Species Chocolate. They are hard to miss because like I said, they have the adorable animals on their packaging and I'm just such a huge fan of them. So please check them out, buy a chocolate bar, read the story on the inside of the label, and you should go ahead and enter that sweepstakes because a trip to Africa is on my bucket list and I bet it's on yours too. Like I said, any links you want to check out are listed on the show notes, which are viewable on whatever app you're listening to or on my website, heartfelthippie.com. So please be sure to check those out and hit me up on social media. I'm the Heartfelt Hippie on Instagram and Facebook, and I would love to hear from you and hear what you thought of this episode. I'm really excited about what I have coming up for you in the next few weeks. I'm not sure who's going to be on my episode next, but I have some awesome, awesome conversations in store for you. So please stay tuned for those. And I'm just hoping that they will be able to come out on time because over here on the coast of South Carolina, we are prepping for Hurricane Florence. We are prepping for power outages and for flooding and just praying really hard that we don't have too many damaging effects. If you are also in Hurricane Florence's path, I'm praying for you that you stay safe, but I will keep the rest of you posted on what is happening. Again, you can follow me on social media if you want to know more. Uh, One exciting thing is that we have a baby foster kitten here with us because the local shelters needed some help with getting their animals out of the shelters for the storms. So that's really fun. Make sure you check out my Instagram if you want to see pictures of the precious kitten. She doesn't have a name yet, and so I'm open for suggestions. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know you love Todd and what we talked about today, and I know you're a huge fan of endangered species chocolate now, so make sure you check them out, give them a follow on the socials, and keep reading up on what they're doing because they are world changers and they want you to be a part of their mission. So think about supporting the Endangered Species Act, think about buying fair trade whenever is possible, and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out!